You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us again today. Always glad to have our audience, whether they're listening to us while we're live or on an archive of the show. Uh, Today's show is a follow-up, actually, to a show we had um, maybe a month and a half ago, maybe not quite a month and a half ago, um, with uh, John Marcunas, and we were talking about blockchain. And and that particular um, session, we talked about definition a little bit about what a blockchain is, uh, talked about some of the the basic principles behind it and uh, particular types of of transactions and situations where blockchain is becoming um, a a pretty well used, and maybe John will correct me on that, but it seems to be growing, I guess I should say, at least in the discussion about how to capture data about um, a variety of things, including uh, information related to land, so that it's uh, more accessible in, in the future, and, and from my understanding, talking with uh, with John before, just uh, facilitating transactions and archiving and that kind of thing. So welcome, John. I really appreciate you joining me again to get a little bit further into our discussion. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Thanks so much. This is John Marcunis, and I really appreciate the opportunity to follow up with you on the use of blockchain in the real estate industry and you know take a little bit of a deeper dive. Yeah, I think that that's a good thing. And, you know, some of the things we talked about, we talked about a really broad spectrum of things before about, you know, how it's being health, uh, used in healthcare and security, uh, cybersecurity. And you even mentioned the diamond industry back when we were having that conversation uh, about how it was being used there and uh, and how other uh, entities uh, like Walmart and other people are, are beginning to use it as well. But we did also touch on the whole idea of the real estate side. Um, and it was part of our discussion, and so this time I think we're going to probably focus a little more directly on the on the real estate section. And I know that you've um, shared information on this particular topic with other people who are in that overall uh, group who are tied to land registries and uh, real estate transactions and everything that really affects us in the surveying profession or affects all of us, I shouldn't say everything, but certainly affects us in a pretty big way. Um, so, you know, we're interested in learning more and about how that piece of it works, you know, how how's that mm-hmm. going to move ahead. And I mentioned to you, uh, actually, when we were talking a little bit earlier about a session I was in last week at a, meeting, a World Bank meeting here in the D.C. area where um, blockchain was was part of our discussion on that on that international stage, which is not a surprise, but to have it spoken about specifically in a session that was related to surveying and land registry and all the things we do was was pretty interesting to hear those different perspectives from different parts of the world. And I, I'm certain you you've heard some of those perspectives as well when you get down to to more specifics and not just the general concept of blockchain, but then how it actually fits into each level or each different segment of our uh, our activity as, as a society. Absolutely. It is, it is a global concept or technology that can be used internationally. I think blockchain use, it can be adapted to different countries or regions which have different 
challenges or different pain points or different uh, issues. So it's it's it can be different for the applied differently in the U.S. as opposed to let's say a southeastern European country. Yeah, I can see where that would be. I mean, it's, it's pretty much like everything else we do. Uh, all of us have a. Um, an overarching concept of how things go in a particular industry or business sector, but then you always get to how does it affect you? How does it affect you on the even down to the local level? Right. Um, so that's that's really a, an important part of of what we're doing. So I'm just going to give you a, uh, the opportunity to maybe um, fill the audience in a little bit about the overall perspective for those who haven't heard about it before, and and then we can focus our our conversation more on on the uh the side of it where that we're more involved in the land registry and real estate side mm-hmm. well uh you mean perhaps we could touch on what blockchain is uh, sort of yeah back yeah for here. those who for those who haven't sure didn't listen to the sure. previous show or haven't been involved just touch on it a bit absolutely blockchain in discussions or when it's when it's brought up conjures up uh, some mystifying technology or terms and so forth. And it's probably the, one of the biggest questions asked nowadays when, when someone mentions blockchain, it, what is it? And really, uh, it is a ledger. It's a database. Okay? And we've had ledgers and databases since uh, the Babylonian, Babylonian Phoenician times when they had ledgers uh, create, the pharaohs created ledgers to, for example, to uh, track goods that went in and out of storage storage units, and these were written on uh, on papyrus. So it was a paper-based ledger. Uh, moving forward, thirty-five centuries, you know, we have a blockchain, we have a ledger, but it has a lot of advanced nuances. Obviously, it, it's tied into uh, algorithms. It's tied into a technology that is new, and really, blockchain is a computer science term. And it was created to stu- structure and share data. But it was created in 2008 specifically, this is interesting, uh, to structure and share Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. So this is important for people to understand because sometimes people get confused with the term Bitcoin and think of Bitcoin as a, as a blockchain or blockchain as a Bitcoin. But, the, but what was created in 2008 was a technology to transfer Bitcoin currencies, okay, which is a, a data set, basically, from one person to another or to buy something. So we have a Bitcoin, a cryptocurrency, and we have a blockchain underneath it, which allows it to be transferred, essentially. So Bitcoin is not blockchain. Blockchain is a structure underneath that, that carries it through. It's the backbone. And... Thus, you can share other kinds of data, all kinds of data, data related to healthcare, data related to real estate, data related to the to a land industry, uh, surveyors' profession, and so on. So, what happens is you have a data; it's a data structure made, making it possible to create a, a digital letter, ledger of data, representing all these assets and documents and files and images, and then share it, and essentially share it among other people, a network of people that uh, would be interested in looking at it or be in, or be part of the process and adding to it. Interesting enough, uh, a lot of people are trying to call it something else. Um, 
which is a, a DLT, uh, distributed ledger technology. Uh, so blockchain or distri- DLT, distributed ledger technology, is the same thing. So the data is uploaded into blocks onto the blockchain. Each block is attached by an algorithm, a hash, which connects it to the next piece of information. The interesting about, about it is, and we, we touched on last time, each block of information that goes up onto the chain cannot be uh, hacked. It cannot be changed. It's immutable. So that means that in order to update, let's say, a survey or a piece of information, you can't go back and, and retype it. Uh, essentially, you have to add a new uh, document reflecting the new change, and that becomes part of the chain or blockchain. Uh, it's distributed, which, which means it's distributed to everybody who is allowed to look at it um, across the board. So that can be controlled as well. And it's often referred to as a peer-to-peer or a network. Uh, Curtis, which means that it is um, a database that can be, or distributed ledger technology that can be shared among a wide variety of people, and everybody can look at it in real time together. But we can also get into that a little bit further about who can look at it, who can add to it, and how the final product looks, what the final product looks like. So that's, that's kind of right. what the blockchain is. Yeah. When you Actually, when you were talking about the, it, it can't be hacked, it's a, just a new data, um, sort of a value-added kind of thing, and, and you don't go back and change a block. You create a different block. Um, what that reminded me of is... Um, Deed research for a for a surveyor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when when we let, if I'm going to survey somebody's property, I'm going to go find a deed, and oftentimes to get to the the bottom line of everything I need to know about that piece of property, I might be tracing a variety of deeds back over time um, mm-hmm. to see how they might have been written, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever the case may be. Um, so that and that that's the image it drew in my mind when you were talking about that where. You have these blocks, and each block has data that's, for lack of a better term, is dated, um, and it and it was valid at that particular time. But as the yeah, the chain goes on, just like with yeah. the deed, it, it can change. Yeah, I mean, what's really cool about this technology is it's time stamped, so you, you know when exactly it was posted, and you can't change it. So it, there's there's a, a, a time stamp attached to every piece of information that goes in it, which is very helpful. Yeah, that that would certainly be helpful in in this the situation I was talking about because um, I, of course in our, in our situation that doesn't mean you might not want to go back and look at some of that other information because if I read a deed today well I might want to know well how does that compare to what the one four transactions ago had to say so to speak and, and right. I can mm-hmm. see see that that correlation actually absolutely in the product of a, the life cycle of a property or a project, for that matter, a, a land project, uh, which is being surveyed, uh, once the, the initial block of information goes in, then you start having a history. And the earliest, the earlier you can get information on the blockchain, you can go back and, then, and reference it again and see a, a permanent record of it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to go back and look at earlier records once they're posted on the blockchain. So we've only got a minute and a half, even less than that, for our first segment. So maybe we can think about this for the second segment. But one of the things that comes to mind is 
uh, let's say it's in a real estate transaction of some sort, and oftentimes that chain of information or communication related to that um, has begun before the surveyor gets involved. You know, somebody mm-hmm. wants to do something, so they talk to a lawyer, they talk to whomever, and they start to develop pieces of information. And so then the, the surveyor comes in sometime later. So, uh, you know, once they decide, well, we need to have a survey done on this or we need to update a survey or whatever the case may be. So the, the curiosity I was thinking about was, okay, if I'm coming in further down the line, um, I'm sure there's a way for me to have access to and go back and check any piece of that along the way that I want to. And I, I have to be part of the the project team, so to speak, because like you said, not just everybody can do that. So we're going to go to break here in about 10 seconds. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit when we come back and, you know, somebody coming into a transaction after other people have already been involved in it for some period of time. Yeah, let's so, do that. Let's track that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what it's all we about. Will. So okay. we'll go to break, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Quick stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? lightweight, and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your bike-friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. John, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about this whole life cycle of a, of a land project and the time stamping of the information that's in the chain. Um, mm-hmm. And so from a server's perspective, uh, I'm sitting in my office and somebody's been looking at a project they want to do and they've, they've started to begin, started to create a chain, uh, a blockchain with all that data. So as the the newcomer, so to speak, into the equation. I get a call from a client or I get a call from an attorney or whomever uh, bringing me into this this project. So is is the process then that when I am selected to be part of that team, uh, I'm given some access key or code or something because to get me in to, to find the data that I need, so then I can begin to review that and build on that and see um, you know, what I need to do to 
begin to contribute my piece to the chain. Right. Well, yeah, this is interesting because I want to maybe provide a little background to that uh, because the land survey may be part of a group of people on a project that are contributing to the overall project and the the ultimate uh, report for the client. But I don't know, right? Um, Let's say that uh, you you get a call or a, proj- a new project is created uh, by, a, let's say it's a government entity, a county or a state has a land project, okay? And they uh, get get a hold of someone, what we can call that a project manager, maybe, or the, uh, the, the initial person who's going to be putting that project together, project manager, PM. So I'll give right. you a sort of a theoretical uh, maybe flow to that. It's, it's pretty simple. Let's say the... Uh, project manager uh, gets a new project or, or, or assignment. Uh, that project manager will create a blockchain file, uh, a blockchain. There's several blockchains out there that you could use. There's Ethereum. There's uh, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain, in fact. Uh, there's several other blockchains, or it could be one that's created that had been created especially for the land surveying industry, which would be a hybrid type of uh, blockchain. But either way, let's just say in the future we're looking through a telescope, we're looking at how it works. So the project manager has a new assignment. He needs to put together uh, some of the initial data for it. He needs to evaluate that data. He needs to put the team together. Uh, and then he, just, he, he gets onto the Internet and creates a uh, blockchain file for that project, Project X. So then they begin uh, the process of getting the right people in place, including the land surveyor and others, any others that might be involved. Uh, so that project manager has a blockchain file set up, will give the participants or the industry players in this project uh, a, like a password or a key, uh, a code to be able to not only access the blockchain to add documents to it, They'll also be able to review the documents going through the process. So the survey process begins, and then later on there's additional surveying program that goes on in in conjunction to the blockchain project where all the parties are eventually involved, all the parties are tracking it, monitoring the steps of the the project, as I mentioned. Um, Then as the documentation flow comes in, it's reviewed, and all the participants uh, can see it, obviously, and if they see errors or if they see the project or the data for that project needs additional information or something needs to be changed, they can get that uh, verifiable information and add it to the blockchain. Or they can send it to the project manager, and that project manager then can add that block of information or data to the chain. And so, therefore, you have a, a project that continues to flow with correct information uh, and, and transparent information throughout the process. Then, I'm just taking it a step further, and again, looking through the telescope into the future, uh, at the end of the project, uh, you have what? You have a, a final deliverable to the client, right? Like a report or, or, or to the county, if it's a government agency or if it's to an attorney who's asked for that uh, work to be completed. So that final report's delivered which would include, uh, it's an overall report, report uh, which is essentially sort of like a summary of, of the activity that's on the blockchain, which includes the boundaries, site conditions, drainage characteristics, physical conditions, and so on. And that final report is set, sent to the uh, 
for the client. Client reviews it. And then this is, uh, Curtis, this is very interesting. There's something called the smart contract uh, that has been developed and that is a replaces the actions of an attorney. So, for example, when the final delivery is made and the client says this looks good, a smart contract, which is a, like a coded program, uh, if, then, what situation, if the client says this is good, then that smart contract can automatically uh, make a payment to the land surveyor or the other participants in the, in the, chain, in the project chain. So the smart contract is extremely important uh, in the future as we get to automatic deliverables. So that smart contract will allow for payment to the surveyor once that's approved or the other participants in, in the chain of the project. Uh, and then um, you could say at that point, once payments are made, uh, the project finishes, and you have a, a complete blockchain file set up initially by the project manager. So in that scenario, and, and oh, by the way, um, that uh, automatic payment is music to the ears of the surveyor just because sometimes it's hard to get people to pay. <laughs> so, well, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it. And it's, it, it, I should note that the smart contracts are still in um, a regulatory, regulatory limbo because it is a, it is a, 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 a contract. It's an, actually a, uh, an algorithm, but it's basically set up so that uh, as if it was a paper contract where if something is done, then a payment is made. But uh, the cool thing about it is uh, it'll be done automatically and quickly on the blockchain. And payment could be made, uh, let's say, in cryptocurrency in the future or, you know, in, in dollars and so on. So, yeah, the smart contract will be an extremely important part of what this, uh, of, I think, future transactions. But what it, if it's a land survey or if it's a, if it's a real estate broker doing a deal, commissions will be paid, attorneys will be paid, notaries will be paid based upon the smart contract which is based upon deliverables that are approved by someone. Yeah, and so I can see this playing out over a period of time for, uh, let's say it's for a development project. Obviously, the surveyor, you know, we always say we're the first in and last out um, in, in terms of actually uh, exercising the project itself. I mean, not the financials and all the dealings of this, but to actually get the work done. Um, right. So the surveyor goes in, does a boundary survey, um, and, and maybe they only do that to begin with, and depending on what that survey shows, might have an impact on whether the project even goes forward. Um, and so that's one piece. And then, if that turns out to be the case, then the next the next series would probably be to do some kind of a topographic map if it's going to be a construction project. And then that's done, and that's submitted. Um, and then th this whole process you go through, and, and the final piece then is at the end when everybody wants to be done and everybody gets paid for all the work they've done. The surveyor comes in and does what we call the as-built survey, um, and, and then that goes on record somewhere. So um, there's going to be a number of places where the surveyor, in a sense, kind of comes and goes. You, know, you, right. you come and do your piece, and then you come back later on and... Uh, and, and I guess the beauty of all of that is if you're part of the blockchain and whatever access you have, um, as part of the team, I'm assuming you can just sort of track that whole process. Well, yeah, exactly right. It, it, that's the beauty of it. You mentioned the surveyor may come and go throughout the process from A to Z. They'll pop in, he or she will pop in and out. 
uh, and it can be beautifully, beautifully done on, on a blockchain or a chain where where they can come in and, and look at it at any point in time and look at the first block, which is called the Genesis block, to the fifth block or the tenth block or maybe the very last block of information, which might be the deliverable, the final report. But that survey can come, jump in and out and, and, and either add things, uh, approve things, or, or uh, you know, make changes. Right. Now, do you, is there... I'm just kind of spitballing as we're talking here. Sure. But, but you know, as this progress progresses, um, every step of the way, there's some level of uh, verification or, or other input from other entities as you go through. I mean, the, the, the surveyor's hired early on to do a, a boundary survey and, and then – Perhaps later, unless they've already decided they're going to buy the land, they may, whether or not they buy it could be based on the survey. But, but somewhere you come back and, and provide other services, like I said before. Um, so as you're, as you're doing that process, um, is I'm just trying to figure out how to phrase this question, I guess. Um, the, the play, all the players that are there uh, as have – have access to all of that data or only to the data that's applicable to what you're doing? That's a great question. Um, you, with, the, with the blockchain, you're able to, let's say, let's call it the project manager who's really the, 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 the chief, the, the person who's in charge of this. Uh, let's say he's the one that determines who, who, who has access uh, to it, to the chain. And so he can provide access to people uh who may not be involved in the in the project, but let's say it's the client or the attorney's client, and they want to see, they want to get a visual, they want to look down from, you know, thirty six thousand feet in the sky and look down and see what's going on. They can that project manager by default can give the, uh, the the client the right to look at the blockchain. They can't add stuff to it, but they can give them the right to or other people to look at it. The project manager can give the, the right through uh, access codes. To add the, uh, information and data to the to the chain, which is, are the players, including the surveyor. Uh, now, the other interesting thing about blockchain is uh, the project manager who initiated the project with a blockchain file can give permission to people, if they ask for it, to look at a piece of the chain. That he can uh, provide a uh, sort of like a like in a videotape when you edit it. You can provide um, a code which will give him that person uh, the right or the ability to take a look at a piece of that chain without being able to see the rest of the chain's work. Uh, so that's done yeah. through, uh, you know, an algorithm and a, a mathematical method where you can provide that to an individual to look at a piece, not the whole thing, a, a, right. a special piece and of it. That actually gets to you. I guess you must have been reading my mind there because <laughs> that was kind of where I was going to go next because I can certainly see a situation where uh, some players in the transaction will need to see certain things but not necessarily all of them. So that, that makes sense that uh, there would be the ability to see the pieces that are relative to you and the work that you're doing but not necessarily the ones that you really aren't involved in and there's no, no need or reason for you to see them. and. Believe it or not, we have consumed another 13 minutes. Um, wow. I'm not sure how that happened so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's time for us to go to break again. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Okay.
Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today you're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening uh, before we went to break um John, we were talking about a number of things, and like I said, you you honed right in on one on one of my questions about uh, permissions and which pieces you can use or not use, um, and that always brings up the the question of security overall. But I, I think you've kind of answered that, and the reason I asked that question is um, uh, information that that surveyors provide um, is not necessarily confidential, so to speak. I mean, obviously a lot of what we do actually ends up in the court records as it relates to land boundaries. Um, but maybe for other pieces of the work, maybe not so. I mean, if it's um, data that's, for whatever reason, not to be shared, I'm, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of anything in particular because at first I was thinking, well, how about the topographic work on which design is going to be based and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can see where holding that information uh, not just available to everybody um, at one point in time is probably something that the client or the design team may want to do. Um, that right. they, may, right. they may have a reason to do that. Yes. So, yes. so I guess that's sort of a sometimes. I mean, it's a kind of a switch on and off. You can you can have availability or not at any given time for a particular set. Well, well, Curtis, I don't think that the chain. Um, the blockchain needs to have, well, let's take the case of a land survey. It, the chain may not need all that data information that is being uh, uh, produced. So if a land surveyor or an appraiser or, in the case of a, a big transaction, attorneys or, uh, or, or others who are involved in it, if there's information there that doesn't need to be shared, two things. there's two ways you can approach it. One is that to off-site storage in a cloud-based system or another database, off-chain, okay, or on-chain protect it with a, uh, with, a, uh, with a code so that it can't be seen. But I think in most cases, um, a land survey will have their own uh, storage area, whether it be a, a cloud-based or some sort of a, a database where they can keep it off-chain to themselves. And that may be even, I don't know, correct if I'm, correct if I'm wrong, Perhaps it's proprietary or copyrighted data that they, they keep for their, themselves, but they use it as a base for their uh, for their uh, product uh, 
with a recording on the chain yeah. for, for the client to see. Yeah, and that there are instances where where that's the case. By and large, um, the the products and and data that we're providing um, are available. I mean, obviously, if if my client pays me to do and a, and a boundary is a little different because the boundary is probably going to end up in in a public record somewhere anyway. Absolutely um, right. But, but the other data that that I might gather, whether it's showing where existing facilities are or uh, data up that somebody could take and uh, create their own design for something they want there uh, without having to go recapture that data, so they they reach it at the expense of the first person who purchased it. You know, in those kind of situations, I can see where where there'd be maybe a desire to not make everything available to to anyone who may want to see it. Yeah, and again, I think that you want to, uh, the individual involved would probably want to protect it somehow, uh, keep it to themselves, um, since it may be uh, data that can be then used for something else, or you don't want people to use that your, your, your output, your data for other purposes. Right. And, and I know I don't want to shortcut our conversation about this, the, the surveyor being involved and, and what we do and how it's part of the chain and, um, I think I, I think surveyors are will feel more comfortable knowing that um, there are different blocks in the chain, and somebody can't just go in and change one of those blocks if they feel like it. Um, it's it's going to be protected so that that data that's in that particular block is valid for that block and may change in the next block or two, but but. Uh, Sounds as though there's pretty good security in terms of of data that you that needs to be kept, not confidential specifically, but out of just anybody's reach. Well, the beauty of it is that it's immutable. You cannot go back. You can't go back in onto the chain and, and go back to the previous block. It's uh, impossible, actually, because of the way it's set up with the algorithms and so forth. Because after all, the data is is an, uh, each block of data or information is connected by a mathematical chain, which can't be broken if you will, if you can visualize that. So, uh, what, what's I, a question I get asked quite often is, well, what happens if um, there's information that went up onto the blockchain it was incorrect uh, and needed to be fixed? Well, the first thing is that 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 uh, error has to be identified by someone. So that's why it's good that it's nice to have people able to be able to see the information and then verify it. And if there's an issue or a problem, they need to bring that up. Uh, so then, if there is an error, human error, uh, then that needs to be corrected, and that needs to be corrected with and put on the chain in the form of a new block or a new piece of data. Um, so it's immutable; you can't change it. You have to identify an error or, or something else that needs to be fixed, and then create. The, the new information, and then every, and how it, the coolest thing about it is uh, the information is verified. Uh, everything's transparent, so the information is verified by your, your peers, if you will, that are working on the project with you. Um, so, uh, you know, the land survey, if there's a mistake uh, and it's caught, it needs to be corrected, and then um, it, it visualize on the chain, and then you move forward with a, with a completely transparent, up-to-date, um, uh, projects uh, flow. 
Right, and and that actually that's a that's sort of a good a failsafe in a sense. If if there is a piece of information, let's say in a in a survey document or or whatever, but in our case for a survey document, uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, someone couldn't go into the chain and inadvertently use a piece of data that was there and then was deemed to be uh, something that needed to be uh, altered, changed, corrected. So somebody who might want to use information in in the chain wouldn't be able to go back and, and use the wrong thing, so to speak. Right, right, exactly, exactly, yeah. It, it, yeah, the information is updated, it's time-stamped, and, and, uh, and it's visible for everyone to see, which is the transparency of, the, of, the, of it all. I mean, no, nothing's hidden from, from other people, uh, which is the beauty of it. You know, there's not, like, little uh, storage areas where uh, things cannot be seen. Uh, including maybe perhaps some of the backup data or the original raw data that's used. Maybe that could be accessed as well if you want to if you want to provide it to, to show. This is the data we use to create this boundary or this report or this this satellite map image. You know. Right. Exactly. And and I know the the presentation you sent me was focused to some degree on land registry systems, and of course that's of interest to surveyors as well because research is a major part of what we do. Um, and so I, I can see where the people who are involved in land registry systems, whether they're at the, the, the local government uh, part of that or, or somewhere else in that chain, I, I can see where something like this would be of interest to them and, and the people who use the data that they have. Oh, no, without a doubt. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's sort of like... It's progression of, of how things should be done, and by that I mean originally you have uh, if you have a system, it's usually a paper. It originally was a paper system, then you get a digital, and then you can go to a blockchain technology land registry system, which is progression of of, of protocols and, and management. So absolutely, yeah. So is is this something that I guess I'm I'm curious about. Sort of the uh, how do I want to say this? The, the, the distribution isn't the right word. I'm just talking about there are a lot of land registry entities out there. I mean, obviously you have the the ones at the at the governmental level, right? And then you you have them in the the development world, of course, uh, which is kind of the piece we play in. And then uh, I guess in a sense the the government piece of it also goes to the whole taxing part uh, oh, yeah. in terms of tax records and those kind of things. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, as as this conversation has progressed over time, um, how, how pervasive is probably not the right word, but how strong is the interest among those entities to say, wow, this is a, a way for us to move forward and we need to learn more about it to make sure it will do what we want it to do and provide the kind of platform on which we can can do it in a better way. Well, that's a great question. I think what the question really is: uh, how far along is blockchain being adopted and used, and and sort of cutting through the hype about this whole blockchain technology, which uh, many say will change the world and revolutionize things uh, quickly. Um, which reminds me of something. Sometimes when I'm out speaking. 
uh, I don't like to use the word blockchain will revolutionize business and, and, and us in the world. I, I take out the R in that word, and we have evolution. So blockchain is going to evolutionize, I think, um, industries. So that's one thing. It's not a, it's not a fast, uh, it's not going to have that happen fast and furious. The Internet really didn't happen fast and furious. It took time. So that's a great question. And the question is sort of, I think, um, how, how, how fast or how is it going to be adopted by, let's say, uh, governments or land registry entities? And the answer is it's slow. And part of that is, is, is most land registries, well, almost all of them are really they're government agencies, except for a few countries like Brazil, where the land registry offices are actually a, a semi-private, semi-government agencies are privately owned by people. They're concessions. But for the most part, they're government agencies. Government agencies are slow to change uh, for a variety of reasons, self-preservation, perhaps, uh, slow to recognize technology and what it can do. And that's part of us to get out the word and educate people. And the other reason is that uh, it's what I call legacy inertia. The legacy uh, portions of this, uh, or entities, are the banks, are the, are the government agencies uh, that uh, have a uh, not a great incentive to change quickly. The processes work now, and so they, they, they need to be educated how blockchain can work. So, uh, in the case of land registry, uh, Curtis, I think that there are a lot of pilot programs going around in the world that uh, maybe they include surveying, but for the most part they include uh, certainly the recording of titles and deeds uh, to recognize them legally on a blockchain. And right. these are happening. Um, there's right. not, there, there's not wholesale, wholesale adoption quite yet across the globe on this. And believe it or not, we are... Ten seconds away from our last break, okay. so let, we'll come back and pick up on that topic right after our last break. Beautiful. I am absolutely astonished how quickly this is going today. Yeah, uh, this next segment, should, we, should I go into uh, specific pilot programs in different countries and actual use? Yeah, or? yeah, okay, I good. think that'd be a good idea. Yep. All right, good. Um, what about the integration levels? Maybe if we have thirteen. Touch on that, the integration yes. levels, and then uh, and then segue into what's really what's happening, actual use cases. Okay. All right. Take okay, it. The more we talk about this issue, the more it seems as though you could just keep talking about this issue. There's, There's just a lot so many, so many tentacles to it. Yeah. This kind of thing might be of interest. You know, surveyors have to do continuing education courses to keep oh, their wow. licenses. And yeah, you know that's, what? That's true in every state. And I'm thinking to myself, this would be a great topic because it's not the everyday thing they hear, and they're always looking for new and interesting things. We ought to we ought to talk more about that. I'd like to because what I'm doing now in New York State. I'm helping. Uh, I'm with a. Uh, I'm helping uh, a school develop a continuing education course for uh, real estate agents and brokers. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so they can get credit towards their, you know, keep up their uh, their licensing. 
so and that's exact that's exactly what surveyors have to do. Uh, you know, I don't know who I don't know who is, it, is the governing body for licensing done state by state. Yes. Okay. Well, it's, it's a matter of getting a course approved and in, instructors approved to teach it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In some states, that's easier than others. Right, right. Oh, I'd love to talk to you about that for sure. Yeah, because we're doing that now in uh, in uh, with, with real estate brokerage. I'm assuming we'll be coming back here shortly. In fact, I'm in the process of developing a blockchain 101 course for uh, introduction to blockchain for real estate agents. Wow. Well, and others, you know, appraisers and what have you. to hear the commercial in the background. Uh. Well. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We good to go? Yep. All right. We're back for our last segment. I apologize to the listeners if we were hearing us talking when you thought we were going to be listening to commercials, and hopefully you're hearing us now. But nonetheless, if you were hearing us, we were talking about a number of things, one of which was uh, how neat it would be to have this topic um, approved to uh, for continuing education classes for surveyors. And, John, as I was talking about, uh, and that, that – you probably already know this in other professions, but in the serving profession, um, that uh, permission to, to be a provider by the state licensing boards is a little bit different in the various states. But usually, it's relatively easy, particularly when it's something that's new and and you know cutting edge kind of things like this is that will affect us whether we like it or not. 
Right. Um, and so one of the couple of things we want to talk about in the last segment was the integration levels and then the current current actual uses. So we've got about 10 minutes left, so let's talk about that. Okay, terrific. That's fantastic. I think um, uh, something uh, there was a list of integration levels created by a, 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 think, a think tank in Washington, D.C. called New America, and they have a group called the Future of Property Rights. Uh, in 2017, uh, they came up with a one way to analyze different levels of use of blockchain called integration levels. Uh, from, the, from the most simple level, the simplest level to the most radical and disrupt, disruptive integration level, which is sometime in the future, you know, if you look through a telescope, that's what it will be. So I'll, I'll, provide, I'll just run through. There's seven or eight of these, and I think these are interesting enough because uh, it provides a little, it, it provides more, a little bit more perception to to where blockchain is and where it could go to. So, for example, it's level zero. That's no integration. No one uses it. No use of blockchain any place. Uh, well, that's most of the world right now. That's how new blockchain is. In fact, uh, last summer, a statistic came out that only 2% of the world's population was aware of cryptocurrencies and blockchains. That's a, that's a, a small number. So there's a lot of work to, to be done. Uh, block, uh, level number one, which is blockchain, they call it blockchain recording. This is where a public blockchain, as opposed to a private, is used to record various documents related to land transactions. So these are doc, specific documents recorded on the chain for prosperity, immutable, and this is happening in a variety of places throughout the world. Uh, there's pilot programs going on in different countries, which I'll get to. Um, Blockchain-level integration number two, we call it smart workflow. And this is the blockchain uh, used to record the whole progress of a transaction uh, on the chain. And then blockchain-level three, integration-level three is smart escrow, where smart escrow, smart co contracts are used for escrow, escrowing payments. And this could be for escrowing payments to a, buyer, a seller in a, a transaction or escrowing payments to a surveyor you know, on a... On a uh, involved in the blockchain project. Um, moving a little bit further, um, uh, integration level number six are blockchain fractional rights. This is a blockchain pro type of uh, protocol where rights for a given parcel are fragmented and managed via the blockchain. So this is interesting where if you have a piece of property and you want to sell mineral rights to different people or water rights or maybe even air rights, I guess, or even more creative, perhaps, um, you know, grazing rights. These are uh, rights that are parceled out, uh, fractionalized on the blockchain to different um, entities or investors. This also includes fractional rights to purchasing a property, uh, where you have, a, let's say, an office building, and you fractionalize it into shares, and you have small investors can come in and buy a piece of it, um, a floor or a certain number of square feet, or, a, or a, a, tenth, a percentage of the project, and that's called the fractional rights or fractional um, fractionalization, asset fractionalization. Um, and then level number seven, or peer-to-peer -peer transaction, where rights are transacted without any intermediaries at all. There's no attorney, there's no broker, there's no title insurance agent, there's no escrow agent, there's no notary, and this is sort of like 
again, looking through the telescope, this, where, this is where it could head. <clears throat> a lot of people thinking that. <clears throat> and then the mothership of uh, looking through the telescope and looking at level integrations is number eight. This is interesting. This is called interoperability, where different blockchain registries, speaking of land registries, they merge together. So, again, for example, can you imagine the European Union with its uh, I don't know, 64 countries or so? They're actually con their land registries are connected to each other. They're interoperable. They're using the same softwares, and everything's on the blockchain. Or in the United States, you could have uh, the 3,400 or so county recorder's offices interoperable on level 8. Uh, again, this is looking through the telescope way out into the future, but that would be, it, this is sort of where it's going in a sense, uh, way out there. Right. So just a, we've got a few minutes left. Let's say uh, I'm in, in business. I'm, uh, I'm a surveyor who wants to keep track of my my jobs and the people I'm working with. And so what's the process to set up a blockchain? Well, the first step is if you, if you uh, understand it and would like to move forward by using it in some capacity, um, well, let me back up a second. You have to understand the options, and this is important. This is what I do for a living. I, I, I articulate use of blockchain to businesses and industries, uh, and you may not need a blockchain. Perhaps a cloud-based storage uh, type of process would serve better or some other technology would serve better than actually jumping into the blockchain, which is more, uh, much more uh, complicated. But once you, once you understand and, and, and have come to the conclusion that you could use a blockchain, you need to have a company, company who runs blockchains, whether they have their own, uh, own um, blockchain that they've created or if they're using a public blockchain like Ethereum or the Bitcoin uh, you need to work with a company to set up uh, your, the process for you and get the blockchain solution working. Um, on the, uh, that, and that, that's the first step, really, once you want a blockchain. You need to work with a company that provides those services. And, and just like any other service, um, that makes lots of sense. <laughs> You know, we, yeah. we in the surveying we in the surveying world don't recommend that people go out and try to survey their own land. So the, right. we we, we kind of get that whole concept of working with people who already already know what they're doing and can help guide you along as you're trying to to put something together. And, and I I can't off the top of my head necessarily think of a, a situation where a surveyor might be in uh, desire to do this. But as time goes along, who really knows, right? I mean, it, right. Um, it could just become part of the way we do business at some point in time. And I, oh, actually, I that, that, that's all the more reason, I think, having this conversation about um, the, the the classes that we talked about earlier is a good thing for us to, to think about because it's, it's sort of new, certainly new in our profession, um, and there's a lot to understand, a lot to know, and it can can have a, have a major impact on what you're doing in your business, whether you're wanting to pursue doing this on your own or whether you're going to end up being part of it, sometimes maybe whether you want to or not, just because that's the way business is going to be done. Right, exactly, yeah. So this is, this is all excellent information. Well, we're 
three minutes or so before it's time for us to go, maybe not even that much. But um, I want to make sure I thank you for being with me again today. I, I really enjoyed our first conversation we had, and it was a lot more general and uh, very uh, helpful for our listeners. This one, I think, is really gets more into where we are. You know, it, it helps us understand what our role might be, how we might be uh, brought into a situation, or as we've just talked about, how may, we may want to be at the front end of of development of a chain at some point. So I think today's conversation has given us a lot better insight into how we might be affected by this or how we might utilize it ourselves. Absolutely. I think it could be industry-led. If the uh, United States land surveying uh, industry uh, were to uh, create a team to look at this, they could push move forward in that, that way. That will be, a, I think, a great way to, to take a top top-down approach then to include all the surveys underneath it and into the processes right. of blockchain. And, and we're a, you know, a pretty good place to start that process because you know, our, our members are actually the, the respective surveying societies in all the states. Um, and uh, so their members are our members. So that, that doesn't mean we've captured everybody. I and mean, we, we probably have maybe 60% of the surveyors, if we're lucky, who are members mm-hmm. of a state group and then a step part of us. So there's okay. a lot of education to do. The thing about the CEU classes I was talking about is even if people don't belong to one of our societies, they still have to get this classwork somewhere. Right. So they, t- they typically go, in, go to the ones provided through their state, state society to get that education, whether they're a member of that group or not. So we have that opportunity to reach a, a broader group. Okay, that's great. So, well, with that said, um, if my clock is correct, we're about time. It's about time for us to go because I think I said we had ten minutes or so when we started this segment, and we're about there. So, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been great to have you on the show again, and um, I can see opportunities where we may want to do this again. But certainly, you and I want to talk further about this whole uh, getting the word out to the surveyors through this educational system. Yeah, absolutely. An outreach program, perhaps we could develop. And time flies, and I wish I well. I think we should do it again. We'd uh, provide more information. Yep, I think so too. Thanks so much, John. Thank you, Curtis. Have a great day. Okay, bye bye. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.